The homilies or sermons contained in these podcasts were delivered by Deacon Joe Dietz, a permanent deacon serving at St. Edward Catholic Church in Ashland, Ohio, a parish of the Diocese of Cleveland. Each homily is preceded by a reading of the Gospel of the Day. All these homilies are the same in content as those preached. They have been recreated to improve the sound quality of the podcast. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. While some people were speaking about how the temple was adorned with costly stones and votive offerings, Jesus said, All that you see here, the days will come when there will not be left a stone upon another stone that will not be thrown down. Then they asked him, Teacher, when will this happen? And what sign will there be when all these things are about to happen? He answered, See that you not be deceived, for many will come in my name, saying, I am he, and the time has come. Do not follow them. When you hear of wars and insurrections, do not be terrified, for such things must happen first, but it will not immediately be the end. Then he said to them, Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be powerful earthquakes, famines, and plagues from place to place, and awesome sights and mighty signs will come from the sky. Before all this happens, however, they will seize and persecute you. They will hand you over to the synagogues and to prisons, and they will have you led before kings and governors because of my name. It will lead to your giving testimony. Remember, You are not to prepare your defense beforehand, for I myself shall give you a wisdom in speaking that all your adversaries will be powerless to resist or refute. You will even be handed over by parents, brothers, relatives, and friends, and they will put some of you to death. You will be hated by all because of my name, but not a hair on your head will be destroyed. By your perseverance, You will secure your lives. The Gospel of the Lord. Well, the election is over, and the next phase of government transition is starting to take place. This is a time when certain high-placed people in federal, state, and local government, business, and the legal system start checking their phone and email frequently, to see if they have gotten a call from Washington or New York or wherever the transition team is located to see if they want some DC job or position. This occurs at the federal level after a presidential election and at the state level after the governor is elected. When the newly elected chief executive begins to fill all those cabinet and other high-ranking government jobs. I learned a little bit about this speculation firsthand over the last few years as I worked in Ohio state government. When John Kasich was still in running for president, there was already speculation about if he were elected, who he might take with him to Washington, and then who they might take with them, and so on. If you had some connection to either Hillary Clinton or Donald Trump, or perhaps more likely a connection to someone with a connection, you might have imagined during the weeks before the election what it would be like to receive one of those calls. Hi. Listen, the president-elect called and he wants me to be the director of such and such and he said I can handpick my team. Are you ready to come to Washington and help me? I can pay you this much and our offices will be in this building and on and on about the mission, the training, the benefits, etc. If you have desires for such an opportunity, it might be fun to think about such an offer. But what if your phone rang with another offer? 
Hi, this is Jesus, and I want you to come work for me. Really, you might say. Well, Jesus, this is quite a surprise. Can you tell me something about the job? Will I have to move? No, a move isn't absolutely necessary, but at some point you may be seized and moved against your will. Oh, will there be training? What kind of prep work will I need to do before I start? There is no preparation and no formal training, but wisdom will be given to you by me personally as needed. Oh, okay. Well, what will be the likely impact on my family? You will be handed over by your parents, brothers, relatives, and friends. Huh. Will I like the work? What are the working conditions? You will be hated because of my name. The people to whom I will send you, they will persecute you and will take you to prison. What about job security? Some will be put to death. Healthcare? Not a hair of your head will be destroyed. By your perseverance, you will secure your life. At this point, many of us may be tempted to look for someone, anyone else in the room, to hand the phone to and say simply, it's for you. It is interesting to compare the two offers. The first offer from Washington or Columbus, if you turn it down, you could miss the opportunity of a lifetime. The second offer is the opportunity of eternal life. Of course, you would probably want some time to think it over. And as you do, you might weigh some of the following considerations. One of the things that can make us nervous when we get a call for a job is whether or not we are likely to succeed in the position. One of the questions we might ask ourselves is what is the success rate and background for others who have had this job? How have other people of comparable skill level done in this position? Nobody wants to take a job just to fail at it, no matter how good it might sound. In this regard, we can be encouraged by Paul's second letter to the Thessalonians. In this section, Paul is basically chastising some members of the group for some simply bad behavior. Not working to earn their keep, but being idle and minding the business of others. Why should we be encouraged? Because even the early church was not full of perfect people. The early church, fresh with the experience and teaching of Paul himself, a group to whom the gospel came not only in word, but also, as it says in 1 Thessalonians, in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. Even in that group, there were issues that Paul wants to be addressed through brotherly correction. Jesus says that, by your perseverance, we will secure our lives, not by our perfection. If he had designed us to be perfect, there would be no need for the sacrament of reconciliation. For once we were baptized, we would never sin again. So why would we need confession? The reality is, is that we will fail. In the first reading from Malachi, it says, But for you who fear my name, there will arise the sun of justice with its healing rays. We are being called, after all, by our Creator, the one who knows all of our faults and weaknesses, yet still he calls and makes this offer. Some people who get this offer may wish to see if they can be a silent partner. A silent partner is one who shares in the prophets, 
but does not share in the actual work of the firm. Do we know any so-called believers like that? They claim the faith when it is convenient or comfortable, but they want it at arm's length, especially when it conflicts with their chosen lifestyle or causes friction or discomfort. They are happy to remain silent for the most part, choosing not only when and where to believe, but what they will choose to believe as well. The pressure to be silent Catholics is greater today than any time in my lifetime. In a world that increasingly tells us to pipe down about our faith, it is precisely this call to witness to our faith that Jesus promises will lead us into the challenges outlined in the gospel. While all believers are not called to formally preach or teach, we are all called to witness to our faith constantly and fearlessly by the way we live through word and action, in love and charity, but also in truth without hesitation. Given this requirement, the silent partner idea really isn't an available option for this position. Oh, and by the way, there are no part-time positions either. The third area that may cause us to reflect on this offer is the part about testifying. Most people hate to speak publicly. It is said that most people fear public speaking more than they fear death, which prompted the comedian Jerry Seinfeld to quip once that at any given funeral, most of the people in attendance would rather be in the casket than giving the eulogy. If this is true, it means when we hear these words of Jesus, many people are saying, put me to death if you must, but don't make me testify. But testify we will, if we take this job. But how will we do it? Interestingly, it is at funerals where we most often hear from people that do not routinely engage in public speaking. Aside from the priest or minister, a member of the family, a close friend or maybe a coworker, stands up before a room full of people and in spite of their discomfort, in spite of their lack of experience at public speaking, in spite of their fear of failure, they speak about the person that they knew and loved from their heart. And if we accept this offer, this is how we will speak of Jesus. For Jesus' offer doesn't come via a phone call like some Washington government job. His offer comes in person, up close and personal. In Revelation 3.20 it says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will enter his house and dine with him and he with me. I will give the victor the right to sit with me on my throne, as I myself first won the victory and sit with my father on his throne. When we give testimony, it will not be from memory, from some learned text, lesson, but just as for that departed loved one, it will be from our hearts, not in ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. And it will indeed render our adversaries powerless to resist or refute. This life that Jesus calls us to for a short while here on earth and forever after in heaven is not a job. It is a relationship, not founded in learning, but in personal experience. Jesus didn't say he would come in and teach us the law, but that he would have dinner with us. Sharing a meal was an act of intimacy, well beyond a working or teaching relationship. Jesus ate with Matthew. He ate with Zacchaeus, with the apostles, 
And he left us himself in the form of a meal that would allow us to not only learn about him from his divine word, but actually encounter him physically in the Eucharist. This is not so that we can have a job, but so we can share his life. Said in John chapter 17, I do not pray for these only, but also for those who believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, even as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they may also be in us. Have no fear. When the time comes for us to speak, Jesus will give us the words, and they will be spoken from a heart of love. Not a logical argument to win a debate, but a witness of a love relationship that has changed our lives. A story of forgiveness, mercy, love, and empowerment. A relationship that raises us up from the ordinary and acquaints us with the miraculous. Willing to persevere in this life in Christ, but seeing death as Paul did. Not as loss, but gain. Did I mention the retirement plan? It is out of this world. Send questions or comments regarding this podcast to Deacon Joe 2017 at gmail.com.